It's time for your weekly dose of Wayne's Comics. Welcome to episode 490 of the Wayne's Comics Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. As much as I like talking with accomplished comics creators, every once in a while it's great to talk with an up-and-coming creator. And that's what happens this week. I talk with Winston Gambro from Rex Radley Boy Adventurer. It's a self-published book that has lots of fun and lots of adventure in it. We talk about how the book came to be, he's got two of them so far, as well as what else Winston is working on, including a webcomic, and we look into the future for Mr. Gambro as well. So there's many good things that Winston has to say. There's a lot to get to in this episode, so let's get on with the show. I'm happy to welcome to the podcast Winston Gambro, creator of a fun little book called Rex Radley Boy Adventurer. How you doing, Winston? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me on the show. It's good to talk with you. Um, why don't we talk about because you know your your timing couldn't be better as far as like YA books go, young adult type stuff, and that's why I think this book is a perfect fit for. Um, why don't you tell people what this, the book is about? Sure thing. Uh, Rex Radley is a comic series inspired by everything I would have wanted to read as a kid. So it's a young boy adventurer whose parents get a divorce while he's very young. And that splits his life into two radically different adventures. One takes place deep in the Amazon jungle fighting dinosaur people like you might see on the Ninja Turtles or the Mighty Ducks animated series. And the other takes place in a sea lab under the sea of Japan, where him and his family use a giant robot to fight monsters. Okay, cool. Now, where'd the idea come from? At, I was uh, I had a table at a convention, and at the time, I didn't have any books that were for kids. And a kid walked by and kind of looked through my stuff, but walked away. And I was just like, I wish I had something for him. Like I. It's the exact kind of comic I would have uh, wanted to read as a kid. I wish I could just kind of share my joy and love of comic books and adventure Johnny Quest style stuff. Mm -hmm. That's what, uh, exactly the two words I was going to use with Johnny Quest. Uh, very much like that. Um, uh, let's start off with the thing I'm always curious about. Uh, he's a person of color, um, which is an interesting choice because uh, not Many uh, young adult books, or, or even younger than that, seem to have uh, people of color, although I seem to notice a lot more female leads. So I was just sort of curious, why make him a person of color? Uh, really just 
why not? Like, especially in the way the way of the world, like comics are getting more diverse for the better. And I, I want to be a part of that. I'd like to represent people that haven't been represented nearly as much. I I'm a white dude, a straight white dude. And I have been spoiled with protagonists that look a lot like me. And I think it's time to repay the favor at least a little bit. Mm-hmm. I noticed the mother and father, you, you mentioned uh, the, that they have different locations that they protect. And a lot of it has to do with their background. The mother is Asian, if I remember, if I if I read mm-hmm. that correctly. And the father, of course, is, is is black. And I think it's kind of fun to to see the different areas involved and the different fun things that you do with, with him. So I, I'm just kind of curious as to, you know, is he based on anybody you know? Uh, not really. Just just kind of uh, the the kid. Uh, what is it the kid trope? Like someone young and enthusiastic at that uh, the person reading it can see themselves as. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Very cool. Now in, you have two books that I that you let me see that are out, and each one has four stories in it, and you actually drew and inked one of them. In the yeah. second issue. Talk about that. I mean, obviously, you mentioned you had a booth, so you obviously had something that, that people could buy. Are you a writer by turn, or are you a artist? Which direction do you normally go? I started as an artist. Uh, I, I was always lucky enough to be pretty good in art classes in school, and so I always wanted to be a, a artist in the art world, but as I realized I had all these stories I wanted to get out, I realized I would have to write them. And just, just by the basis of writing being so much quicker than art, I have written more projects than drawn, but Mm -hmm. I was, uh, I originally just, I, uh, for this, for that one story I drew, I originally was like trying to find an artist and I'm like, because like, like I mentioned earlier, I, this is everything I would have wanted to read. This is also everything I would want to draw. Like mm-hmm. uh, it's just thick jungles, huge monsters, explosions. That's all That's all I would want to, want to draw all day. And as I'm trying to find an artist for that, I'm like, I want to draw this. I'm just giving it to myself. <laughs> Very cool. Because in the first one, you didn't draw anything. The first one, you have other folks doing the drawing penciling and inking and so on the second one i guess that's great that you got to do that and uh you know of course who just makes that decision but you it's your book <laughs> so it's a good yeah thing, so. i originally part of the anthology of it is i wanted a different art style for every book because i think that kind of shows the different art aspects of a comic book to someone who might not have read them before like how mm-hmm. how it can be hyper realistic or super cartoony and still have the same characters and all, it was mm-hmm. also just a great way to meet other independent comic creators. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, are, are you planning to do some uh, comic convention attending this now that things are starting to rev up? Uh, I'm hoping, yeah. I, I was hoping to just as COVID hit, so that kind of put a damper on that. Mm, rats. Yeah, uh, that's that was tough stuff. Believe me, I we were just starting to think about what we we're going to do last year, and all of a sudden everything shut down in front of us. We were trying to go to Seattle to go to uh, Emerald City, 
and all of a sudden they 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 delayed it and then they delayed it some more and then we were like oh my gosh what are we going to do and we ended up not going of course we i think we still have i hope we have stuff for this year i really want to go it's later in the year this year mm-hmm. but things are now all of a sudden starting to go i mean new york is percolating uh, florida supercon is, is saying they're going to happen uh megacon all these ones are starting to happen at least a lot of them down in florida yeah, that's right. Toronto. My, yeah, uh, Richard went to the guy that uh, writes the comic that I edit. He has gone up there uh, and been there once. I couldn't go. I didn't have the proper paperwork to be able to get in there, so I couldn't go. But I'd like to get to that. Is that close to you, Toronto? No, I'm actually a uh, Chicago based. So uh, oh. C2E2 is, is also coming back in December. Oh, good. Okay. So, yeah, that'll be fun. That'll be good to see. I, I They're talking about limiting attendance. And stuff yeah. like that in these places. So we'll see. I mean, you know, I've been there twice to C2E2. Mm-hmm. And I like to get back to that again because I think that's a – but the worst thing in that area, though, is the traffic. I Oh, yeah. I was – to get like 10 miles took us an hour and a half last time we were there. And so I'm like, no, no, I'd, <laughs> I'd rather, I'd rather take a, if they have any kind of subway, I think a subway would be better, but I don't think you guys have any of that. Up there, so. uh, yeah. I'm not, I don't think anything that goes straight to McCormick. Uh, yeah. It, yeah. You can get a train to the city and then Uber or whatever, but, oh, and they have shuttles. Yeah. That's the best way to do it. But anyway, okay, let's get to the first book. Looks like it, this was uh, uh, copyrighted in 2019, so now that's two years ago. Oh, wow. That Time's flying. <laughs> I was going to say, it probably seems like it was yesterday. <laughs> yes. Uh, the way it goes. But um, uh, like I said, you had four stories in each one. I love the titles. The first one's called Turtle Trouble. Uh, always avoid alliteration, I, my teacher used to tell me. <laughs> and then you got the diabolical dangers of Dinosaur Island. Then oh, the, the fun play, they had the fun play on Home Alone Invasion, which could the movie could have been called that, in fact. Oh, yeah. And hot, and hot Potato Handoff. So all kinds of fun. Talk about putting the first one together, because I bet the second one was a very different process it after you was. did the first. Talk about that when you know, like like recruiting uh, artists, getting it. Is it self-published, by the way? It is. Okay. Yeah, yeah it was uh, successfully kickstarted back in 2019. Oh, good. Very good. Yeah. So, how did you how did you uh, did you pick artists that you knew from conventions? Did you find them online? How did you do that? I used, uh, I believe I used digital webbing at the time. Um, I, I, are you familiar with it? Somewhat. Why don't you explain uh, in case somebody doesn't know? Yeah, I, the reason why I ask these things is because sometimes there are people who are interested in doing their own comics. And I think sometimes that if they can learn from people who got it done and, and made it happen, I think that's a, a wise thing to do. So talk about that. What is that? Oh, terrific. Yeah, I, I can talk about comic creation and like the early tips I wish I had all day. So digital <laughs> webbing is a comic forum that is it's a little intimidating off the bat because the format is very much still in the 90s for some reason, but it's incredibly active. And all you do is just posts that you're looking for an artist and you will get your inbox flooded with quality content after quality content. I've met so many awesome artists through it, including Michael Lee Harris, who is drawing my webtoon currently. 
Mm. Uh, so that's where I met my first artist. I highly recommend Digital Webbing if you're looking for an artist. Is that it, a website? All, yes, yes. Uh, the actual name is yeah, digital, digitalwebbing.com, and that'll take you right okay. to the forums. Gotcha. It was uh, for the Invincible fans, I believe. That's where Robert Kirkman found Ryan Otley. Really? Wow. Yeah. yeah. Very cool. So you, you found all of them there or some of them there? How did you do that? So, yeah, that was the first artist, I believe. Uh, and then from there, launching at the time was uh, was Stephanie Cook, who's a very, very skilled editor and just all over comic Twitter for being great. She had just established cr- uh, this creative resource where you just fill out a Google form, put in what you're looking for, artist, writer, anchor, blah, blah, blah. And she would link you up with any number of people that were on the other end. And uh, that's where I met, I believe, the other half of my team. Mm-hmm. Cool. Very great, because uh, one of the things I noticed about your, your writing and stuff is that you get the punctuation right. Um, and let me tell you, I always tell the, the thing that there's a difference between let's eat, comma, grandpa, and let's eat, grandpa. <laughs> <laughs> which not not everybody gets I, i'm sad to say uh, but the thing is and like with uh, ellipses and stuff like that if you have an ellipses somewhere it's got to end somewhere mm-hmm. and not everybody gets that either and i i'm always going no no i i somebody asked me to proofread one of their books and i i, I wrote like pages i said so you can't start an ellipses and not have it end someplace unless you're like interrupted <laughs> or something Okay, so I did so, all those kinds of things. So that's, but you you got all this stuff down really well. I think that that's excellent. I see the reason why I emphasize that is because mm-hmm. everybody's looking for an excuse to stop reading your book. Mm-hmm. And if you give them too many roadblocks, they will stop and they will say, "Well, I, I, I'm not going to get through that, so I may as well go to do something else." So I think I want to congratulate you on doing that and making sure you've got things well done and, and you know okay, make it so you. that people understand what they're reading so I, I that's really great and very well done winston well, thank you i i guess uh, i'll chalk that all up to all the ed- essays i had to write in college <laughs> so you're an editor i have a grammar question i think it's all sure. down to preference mm-hmm. uh if an ellipsis is within a sentence let's say batman batman has a word balloon that says but he didn't. He didn't die. Dot dot dot. He was murdered. Now, do you put a space after the dot dot dot? I do. Me too. And it's. I, I have seen like triple A title Batman. I, I believe Tom King, who I love, no d- <laughs> space after it, and it angers me to no end. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I. I. Well, a lot of people ask is it, and I, this is inside baseball stuff, but I think it's mm-hmm. important for people to know. If you have a, a series of objects, do you put a comma before and or not? What do you do? I I do just to be safe. You're very well done because I see the thing of it is, is if you don't do that and you've got multiple objects that are like, like so-and-so and so-and-so, and then you got another and so-and-so, mm-hmm. people get confused. I would say just put commas all the way through so everybody knows exactly what it is you're saying. So I 
I think that's good too. Anyway, enough of the grammar stuff. Uh, <laughs> people get mad at me for saying, you talk too much about grammar. Well, I said, if people got it right, I wouldn't talk about it. But uh, that's the thing about it. So anyway, let's talk about the, the, the in the first issue. We'll start there and then we'll move on to the second issue. Okay. The uh, turtle trouble. Talk about that one. Of course, you know, the teenage turtles and stuff like that. You know, whenever you deal with something that's turtle or turtle related, it's going to get people's attention. So, and you have a big uh, uh, turtle like creature in there. Where did the concept come for Turtle Trouble? So, off the bat, I knew I wanted to have a giant monster fighting a giant robot because that's what I would have wanted to read. And I I rather than uh, just a simple punch laser explosion, I want an interesting way to get rid of it. So I thought catapults or um, more like a teeter totters are a funny way, a cartoony way to get rid of a monster. Mm-hmm. And what would be the biggest uh, teeter totter imaginable for a giant monster? So I found out there are these giant solar panels in Japan, like the size of a small town. And imagined just a monster or anything on the other end. And if you just punch the other end, it could just launch it away into space's problem. Mm-hmm. And then you introduced the main bad guy in the second story, uh, The Diabolical Dangers of Dinosaur Island. Who is the bad guy? The uh, bad guy is Prince Dragus. He's kind of inspired by the monarch from the Venture Brothers, as in... He's a reoccurring villain, but basically incompetent. He just somehow keeps coming back and annoys annoys the main characters with his plans, but ultimately isn't a threat compared to anything else in their life. <laughs> I always love that trope. De- yeah, he's, he's, he's designed interestingly. I like the – he's got – yeah, red scaly skin looks like, and 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 horns, or or I don't know what you call that, uh, where he's got. Uh, but he's kind of an interesting character in the sense that you're right. He's he's annoying, and in the end, he's <laughs> he's running away and he's yelling, "I will have my vengeance." <laughs> yeah, I don't know stuff. if he ever will. Yeah, a big <laughs> a big thing in the kids in writing a kids books is something I never really thought about is you can't have them one in like. I am crazy amount of danger. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I don't know. I take that back, but you can't have them. If you want to secure that E rating, that Disney approval, you can't have them, uh, disposing of the enemies in, in super violent ways. Like, mm-hmm. uh, one of my favorite shows, gravity falls, which is about these kids living in a weird town where weird stuff happens. Mm-hmm. They, they have to solve all these problems with their brains rather than ever picking up a gun or a knife because it was on mm-hmm. Disney Channel. Mm-hmm. Great. Right now, Th- that's the story where I first noticed a supporting character by the name of Tharga. And Tharga is, is a woman, which I find interesting. Normally, uh, characters like this, now that she's described as a cave woman from another dimension. <laughs> and she is his personal bodyguard for Rex. And I I get a kick because usually it those are guys. And I thought mm-hmm. it was interesting that you chose a woman for that, a cave woman. And and she is the one she does not mind using her fists and clubs and whatever <laughs> she has. Of course she carries mountains of things around where you first time I really see her in that second story, she's carrying a whole bunch of suitcases. 
<laughs> yeah, uh, Which is- she was kind of inspired by like a uh, Thundar the Barbarian or the the Herculoids. Mm. I and love just, Herculoids. I I am a huge fan of just the the space barbarian trope like that, mm. and so that's where that came from. And then as, as for why she's a woman, it's kind of a an interesting way to break up that that barbarian trope and just make a unique looking character. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She's really interesting. Of course, you've got to be real careful how you portray her. Mm-hmm. And stuff like that. The, the female anatomy, uh, especially if you're talking to uh, young adults and you know, uh, younger kids and stuff, you got to be uh, well. You got to be very uh, judicious on how you show things. Yeah, so, but you do a good job with that. I think. I think she actually looks. She's got I, like a skin that she has on top of her that covers everything appropriately. Uh, did, did she make that skin? Is that what happened? Uh, Have you thought of that? It's implied, like. Like in a, there's a flashback panel where she's eating a a leg of a saber toothed tiger. So mm. that you know she uses every part of the saber toothed tiger. She eats it, skins it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then the next story you do deal with one of my very favorite stories. And Batman had the fox, the shark, and the uh, vulture. The terrible- I just watched that episode. Oh yeah, the terrible trail. Now, interesting thing was that was actually in a comic before they did it on the on there. Yeah, after I watched that episode, I'm like, they, they can't have made this up for the show. So I I googled it and found the the golden age variant of it. Is that what yeah. you're going for? Yeah, that's the one because that was a that was quite a fun story. And of course, in in your book, you have what's called the Fox Society. And they all go around wearing masks, much like the, the terrible trio does. Mm-hmm. And stuff. It, it's fun to, that you know you you vary between the father and the and the mother as to who Rex is actually working with. And of course, luckily he's there when bad things happen, <laughs> <laughs> which is always good. So talk about the the Fox Society. Uh, obviously, they're they're in is it, it's Japan, right? Yeah, this is a. Uh... This set, this story takes place in their C Lab base, kind of like mm-hmm. a C Lab twenty twenty one, and mm-hmm. I I've really always loved that environment and wanted a story set there. So I thought, why not have people invade it? And another trope I just absolutely love is the supervillain organizations. So uh, in Mark Wade's Daredevil arc, uh, arc uh, I don't know if you're familiar, but mm-hmm. there's a part where Daredevil gets some very cool MacGuffin that every villain on Earth wants. So mm-hmm. there's like four evil organizations of from every corner of the Marvel Universe, and they all have secret meetings on how to deal with Daredevil, and they show up in these ridiculous outfits. One's a beekeeper, one's Hydra, mm-hmm. uh, one... One is, uh, I think, the Zodiac, and all their costumes look ridiculous, and so I just want to make my own. And the simplest way to make a cool costume is take a person in a suit and give them a cool mask. Very cool, very cool. And, of course, a lot of this stuff happens while the mother's out, and she comes back, and she asks the, the, the great question. She says, how was your first time home alone? An allusion to the, the series of movies, which is really <laughs> there's a, I, I won't spoil it, but there's a wonderful last panel. That's a lot of fun there too, and I I, I think that's a great, great, great ending for that. Oh, thank you. Glad you like that. Endings are endings are the hardest part for these because they're just five page short stories, and 
it is hard to wrap them up in a good way. And it's I don't want all of them or very few of them to just all end with and the good guys win by. <laughs> yeah. Um, anybody who listens to this podcast knows that I rage about the House of Ideas and how they wrap up their miniseries. And it's usually not well. Uh, I, I get to the end of a miniseries and they've already got the next miniseries coming and they're hyping that. And so the end mm-hmm. kind of goes blug, 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 and then the next one takes over. <laughs> and I'm always kind of frustrated because story, stories should end. They, they always talk about stories having a mini, uh, a beginning, middle and end. And not many people understand it like you do. Cause I, I, like I said, sometimes it's just sort of, Oh, well, goodbye. You know, kind of mm-hmm. stuff. And I like the way that you do the, the All the stories have a really good punch to an end, a, a, something that makes it fun to read and that accomplishes a couple of things. You know, it makes it a, a, a very obvious ending and it also makes it clearly something fun to read. So I, I, I have to congratulate you on that. I think that's wonderful. Oh, well, thank you very much. And yeah, I think I, I th- I, if I'm understanding you correct, I I feel the same way. Are you talking like a less uh, less monthly big two comics and more like kind of a mini series? Yeah, events. You know, certain oh, yes. events that never end. Well, they sort of kind of end, and then the next one picks up right away. And, you know, uh, when everybody's getting less enthusiastic as this has gone on and kind of people are going, I think this has gone on too long. Suddenly <laughs> another one comes up and, and takes our attention away from the fact that the other one is kind of dribbling to an end. And I, I always rage about that on here because I just I, I want people tell a story, tell a good story, you know. Yeah, and I don't think that people do that. I'm I'm glad that you do that. That even in uh, four short stories, I think you do a better job of ending than certain companies do, shall we say? Yeah, that's a good way to say it. I, I, the more I've read comics, I've yeah over the past couple of years, I've really just devoured them more than ever, and I've started to realize I'm I'm more into the the medium of it, the artistry of it, like my my favorite book on the shelves right now is strange adventures. And Mm. I, uh, I had never really heard of Adam strange before. And Mm. this is, it's less a showcase of, Oh, this book happens to have Batman in it. You should buy it because Batman shows up and more of a look at these three brilliant, brilliant creators at the tip top of their game, just showing how well you can tell a story in this medium. Mm hmm. I think that got nominated for an Eisner. I was just reading. Yeah, it did. Uh, good for them. Good. Hope they get I it. I was personally nice. snubbed, but uh, next year it's cool. <laughs> <laughs> Your time will come. Your time will come. Just be patient and keep up. With that. That'll work. <laughs> I like the last story too because I want to move on to the other one. The other one, that hot potato handoff, which I love the name of. And that's again, uh, your lady uh, barbarian gets a lot to do in that one. The ending again is really cool. It ends very, very well, and I will not spoil it, but uh, it, it's a lot of fun. I love the father's, by the way, the, the father's uh, Great Caesar's Ghost. <laughs> Sweet Newton's apple, he goes, which I like. That's very fun. I like it, sometimes you need some science-y uh, exclamations. Yeah, yeah. So, okay, you did that one in 2019. The second one has a copyright date. Let me see if I can spot it real quick. Uh well, I don't see it. it. Just says copyright on there. When did the second one come out? 
Uh, the the second one was, I believe, published in 2020. Okay. Yeah, yeah, during the pandemic. Uh, I remember now, of course, because I launched my Kickstarter November 3rd, 2020. Mm-hmm. So here's another tip for any aspiring, aspiring creators. Kickstarters are great, great way to make money. But do some research, see if there are any major events happening within the same week of your Kickstarter, you know, pandemics, elections, any of one, anything that will take attention away from your Kickstarter. Don't do it then. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, you probably learned that the hard way. <laughs> yes. I, so now I know not to do it. Because <laughs> uh, it, it's the truth. There are a lot of people. You'll notice that there's not a lot of Kickstarters happen during December. Because oh, of people course. are are doing holiday spending and stuff like that, which is funny to me. That's, that's the perfect time to fulfill stuff. You know, people buy ahead of time to make sure that they get their, their uh, fulfillment in time for the holidays. I, I would yeah. say the way to do it. My, my initial plan for November, like my big pitch was, uh, how about you get someone in your life, a Christmas gift, a kid. And uh, I, I thought that was a good idea, but I should have factored in everything else. Well, you know, unfortunately, we, sometimes we learn things the hard way, the real way, and it looks good. But, you know, book turned out real well, though, I have to say. Thank you. <laughs> Again, you've got the the fun titles. first one's called Holy Moly Matrimony, <laughs> which I love. I think that's a great one. Then there's Space Station Sibling Rivalry, <laughs> Greetings from Fabulous Skunk Ape Country. <laughs> and then the last one I got, that, that's a great one. Are You Afraid of the Park, Not the Dark? Oh, man. I forgot how much I love puns. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah, I was so happy. Stuff. I was so happy with Holy Moly Matrimony, which uh, is about mole people and marriage. Very much of the very first Fantastic Four. They, they, uh, mole man. Oh, yes. The good stuff. So it's really, that's a fun story. Again, again, your, your cave woman is, is heavily involved in the story, which is great fun to see. And, <laughs> Uh, Rex is face to face with is that is that one of the mole men? It looks like almost like a shark. Yeah, that's the king mole man. Their ah. design was inspired by uh, Al- Alex Toth is uh, an amazing artist who, along with comics, did a lot of designs for Hanna Barbera. And mm-hmm. I found these designs he did for a, a Herculoids, I believe, mole man episode, and so it's very much inspired by his mole man drawings, and they. They look a little. They they don't really look like moles, but they look really good. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I gotta say, of course, at the very end, there's a very funny ending on there, which I've always wondered why doesn't this happen more. But uh, <laughs> I won't spoil that. But let's just say it's a very cute ending having to do with the father, and it's a great fun. So then we get to the second one, and the second one. This is where, where we get to the ape, and I, apes are always great in comics. DC did a whole ape thing one time where all the characters got turned into apes and stuff well, uh, and so do you know was, like what era that was oh gosh that was must be the 90s 1990s okay. i think that was <laughs> that was probably before your time unfortunately but a little uh, bit and of course uh, but know, I, there's all kind I of love apes. that stuff yeah um, well you've got your you, ape story and that's fun too <laughs> have you heard the the old I, I don't know how real it is, but allegedly, if there is an ape on the co- on the cover of a comic, it would boost sales by fifty percent. No, I hadn't heard that. <laughs> it, and 
so the story I'd heard is like DC figured that out. And so you can find all these bizarre covers of like, you know, Jimmy Olsen and Superman getting turned into apes. And eventually they did it so much editorial, like yelled at the bullpen. All right. Only one gorilla on a cover a month. <laughs> okay. Cause that's, that's kind of fun. When, is, are there two stories that have apes in them? The one is they're, they're going to a satellite in that one story. And then I think that ends and we end up with a uh, uh, skunk ape country. <laughs> well, in the Florida Everglades of all places. Cause I'm in Florida. So I, I can relate to that. Are you familiar with the skunk ape? No, I'm not. Tell me about that. So the, the skunk ape, I'm a huge fan of a uh, cryptids like Bigfoot, Loch Ness monster. And the skunk ape is basically Florida's Bigfoot. Hmm. And uh, it, it gets its name because its distinguishing characteristic is it has a horrible smell, which mm. seems like it'd make it easy to find. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, that's great because, uh, and of course, your your bad guy shows up in that story, which is kind of fun. Yeah, and you uh, do, well, you're doing things in Florida, which of course is great fun as well. There's, if you want something strange and wonderful to happen, do it in Florida as. <laughs> A lot of people have discovered, and I think it's 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 a lot of fun to see how. <laughs> and, and and you know when you end, you you call it the stinking end, <laughs> which is fun. So there's a great thing about that. More than that, we won't say, but with all kinds of great stuff going on in that one, that is a a great story. Then we get to the final one. Are you afraid of the park? Which is a lot of fun. This it looks like it's a shut down amusement park. And she run, he runs into a character. Uh, were you trying to uh, – are you thinking about spinning her off? Because Jessica Keene, girl detective, shows up in the middle. Mm-hmm. Is she another character you wanted to, to write stories about? Uh, so Jessica Keene is uh, kind of kind of like the boy adventurer trope. She is the girl detective trope kind of uh, to mirror him. And if, if the fancy strikes me, it would be cool to give her a spinoff, but – Right now, I just thought it'd be fun to play with that, give him a, a person his own age to interact with who's had a similar bizarre life and uh, mm-hmm. very much named after the creator of Nancy Drew. Mm. Oh, very cool. I didn't, re- I didn't realize that. That's great. It's great stuff. And uh, all kinds of – it looks like the mom's involved in that one in particular – and all kinds of wonderful things. Yeah, it's yeah. it's great to see people, especially that age, interact with their own age. So I think that's a great idea. And yeah, it's a lot of th- this one was very much inspired by Scooby Doo. Just a lot of running away from monsters in a weird <laughs> place that that kids and hippies should not be in. <laughs> But it didn't say anywhere we I would have gotten away with it except for you meddling kids. I don't see that in the story. <laughs> I think Hanna Barbera owns the rights to that. Oh, do they now? Okay, well then you won't see that. Then. <laughs> it's almost as bad as Disney. If you want to do something and and have the lawyers knocking on your door, there's a wonderful thing about this: how to draw a mouse, and it shows you start drawing the ears, and you start doing this, and you start to make it look like Mickey Mouse, and all of a sudden you hear a knock at the door, and. <laughs> And, and it's the lawyers, and it says, how to draw a cat. <laughs> so I got a kick out of that. So that that's kind of fun. So, well, okay, so you've had one in 2019 and one in 2020, this being 2021. Are you working on another one? I'm uh, a little 
sadly too busy. I definitely have plans for three, but I have mm-hmm. not had the opportunity. I'm uh, currently drawing a, a project, uh, a medieval comic for a, another writer, and I'm currently writing a webtoon for a different artist. So I am pulled in every direction. Wow. So what's the webtoon about? The webtoon is called Gumshoe City. It is a cartoony world where every resident is a detective. Some might be based on famous ones, but the main characters are all my own creation. And each volume is a new detective with their own specialty. Volume one is about a, a beef specialist named Meatball Matthews who finds his best friend's body and has to prove who killed them and why. Mm. How, how do you get to this place? How do, how do you find it? Because I know there's a lot of Webtoon websites. This is uh, just just on Webtoon. You can look that up or gumshoecitycomic.com. Okay, great, great. So that's good. So, uh, how long has that been going on? That has been in the works for probably two years, but it started getting published earlier this year. And uh, volume one is completely finished, published for free at gumshoecitycomic.com. And mm. volume two is currently being worked on. The first chapter, the prologue, is is on my Patreon right now. And it, we're just having so much fun with this. I have this amazing artist named Michael Lee Harris who brings so much cartoony joy to every page and the world is so much more fun with his touch on it wow well so you have a patreon you said uh what's it under how do you find it uh patreon.com slash winston gambro i post process photos extras sneak previews i recently just did uh what is your detective name whereas Whereas uh, you take the first letter of your first name and it gives you a cool noir tough guy name. And then what's the last letter of your last name? And it's the last name of a famous fictional detective. So uh, Mm. I'm sent Guster. (laughs) And I believe you would be, uh, I I can look that up in a second. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Last name is Hall. So thank you. Yeah. Ah, uh, this this fills my time on Facebook sometimes. <laughs> All right, you are days. because we share the the W. You are sent, and your last name is Castle. Ah, okay, <laughs> very good, very good. Oh, so you said, are they in print or are they downloadable like as PDF files? Uh, currently, it is just on Webtoon, which is like a web comic format. I believe you probably could download it if you tried hard enough, but. Mm. It's just meant for the site currently. and uh, But once Volume 2 is finished, I will be looking into printing it in the future, whether that be searching out publishers through a pitch or kickstarting it. Oh, cool. cool. So how many kickstarters have you done so far? Uh, just the two for Rex Radley's. Okay. All right. Well, it sounds like you've learned a lot and you're you're ready to do more. I, I always like to say I wish Kickstarter had been around longer because I wonder how many wonderful stories do we not get to read because Kickstarter wasn't here. Absolutely. So I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm always like, wow, Kickstarter, great. You know, because uh, it, it, I like to say a Kickstarter is a podcaster's best friend because people, when they're doing Kickstarters, they want to get the free publicity. And so they go on and I, <laughs> I often get 
contact when people say, hey, i got a Kickstarter coming up. I got, uh, one, uh, a couple of people who tell me, I can't do a Kickstarter without talking to you. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I'm thrilled to, to do that, especially if I hope if I can push them over the top. That's the thing I really want. I want them to be successful. Do those yeah. things. So, uh, Kickstarter, sorry, I think, is such a amazing use for the medium. Like So many creators I love are exclu- sometimes exclusively on Kickstarter for comics that are so weird they can't get a publisher. Uh, one of my favorite creators is Kyle Starks, and his latest book, Old Head, is about a, a former NBA player who fights Dracula. And I like he's he has like a movie deal in the works, but that <laughs> book is so weird. I feel like he just said, I know my fans will support me rather than having to go through some publisher that will get weirded out. And my God, it, it was awesome. It just got mailed to my door and signed by him. Wow. See, the thing that's great about Kickstarter is is that the money largely, there's a little bit the Kickstarter takes, but the money largely goes to the creator. And, of course, he has to pay for, you know, pay the artist if he needs to or lettering mm-hmm. and all that good stuff. But the good news is, is that gets the book done, you know, Absolutely. like what you're doing. So great. Well, are there other projects that you're working on that we need to be aware of? Uh, Well, yeah, yeah. Just uh, got the blank, which is a short experimental comic. A couple, or like in 2020, it kind of looked like the U.S. Postal Service was going down. So I put together this quick comic, sold it for free just to promote the U.S. Postal Service. Mm-hmm. Um, it is inspired by a podcast called The Hum, which is uh, an audio drama by O'Neill and Freeman, where an investigator is chasing after a sound that makes him lose his mind. So this comic is instead uh, the blank where a detective investigates an indescribable presence. And uh, as he loses his mind, I'll like white out panels and cut out stuff and like black out stuff Hmm. and really make the reader feel like they're losing their mind as well. So that's, that's a, free on on my site where you can buy comics uh gumroad.com slash winston gambro mm-hmm. and that and then uh yeah i guess you can just follow me at at winston gambro on twitter and instagram to stay tuned for gumshoe city and everything else that's coming out great great uh i'm just I'm just fascinated by all these great things because it, it's a lot of fun the thing that uh, an adventure those are words i don't get to say very much on comics which tend to be morose and dark and stuff but to have fun and adventure going on is, is a nice change of pace i have to say and i like variety in my reading so i'm going to be following these good things and, and uh, i'll have to make sure i i follow you on uh, on those uh, social platforms because I have to say that uh, we need more fun. <laughs> really do. <laughs> that is a good life plan. More fun. That's right. I like that a lot. So, yeah, so that's great stuff. As, so, the website again is what? For the, to buy all my books is gumroad.com slash Winston Gambro. Okay. And, and so that's uh, good. I'm at Winston Gambro on all social media, patreon.com slash Winston Gambro, if you'd like a sneak preview of everything I'm doing. Cool. Cool, because uh, I've I've started signing up for Patreons. I'll have to look and see what my budget allows me to do. See if I can then jump on and do that. So those are all good things. So man, I I really enjoy the work that you're doing, and I I'm glad that you can do all kinds of different aspects: writing and art, and telling different kinds of stories. Very creative and very fun aspects to it. Oh, Winston. thank so you I, so much. I really think that 
it, it's just great stuff. To, I love to see uh, people doing these kinds of things. And, and, and you're right. Some might, sometimes some of the major companies may not want to do these kinds of things. Have you ever thought about printing these and like selling these as young adult books, the Rex Radley stuff? I would love to do that. I just don't know how. Okay. Well, maybe that's something I have to look into because it, it, I, I, I don't know if you've gone to like Target stores and stuff like that. Because these days, you'll find great big sections of young adult books. And Dog Man is the yes. big one. Uh, Dog and Man I, and uh, – oh, shoot. What's the it, – it's like the smiley face with the braces. Yeah, I don't remember the name of that one, but uh, see things like that. I would think Rex Radley would fix right in, fit right in there with all that. So I would, uh, well, we might not want to t- look into that because that might be something that would be helpful for you. Yeah, because I appreciate I think that. The kids would like it, I, especially a, a a a guy of color and all kinds of fun things going on with it. I think it would be good. Well, like I say, Winston, is uh, keep going. When, when you've got a Kickstarter coming down the pike, let me know, and we'll do this again, and we'll talk some more about uh, and we'll promote your, your good stuff again. I think that would be fun to do. And, again, it's called Rex Ragley, Boy Adventurer. And what was the name of the webtoon again? Gumshoe City. Yeah, that's, that's, I love the concept of that one. Thank I'm you. a big crime drama fan. Oh, so awesome. I'll, I'll, I'll go track those down because I need to read that. That sounds like fun. So, well, once in a while, I say keep it up, keep doing this stuff, and uh, you know, uh, I hope people follow you and and get to support you and do things like that, and just make more of your things happen. Because what I've read so far is a lot of fun, a lot of adventure, and that always gets my attention. Awesome! Thank you so much for having me on the show. I had such an amazing time. People need dramatic examples to shake them out of apathy, and I can't do that as Bruce Wayne, as a man. I'm flesh and blood, I can be ignored, I can be destroyed, but it's a symbol. Get the latest from the comics universe. News, interviews, previews, and reviews. Listen to the weekly Wayne's Comics Podcast so you can keep reading your comics. that's it for this week. Be back next episode when I'll have another terrific conversation with another wonderful comics creator. But until then, keep reading your comics.